0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, We are going to start off this show today and we are going to talk about GoTab. What is GoTab? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some frequently asked questions and I'm going to go over them with what is GoTab. So GoTab provides a contactless, easy-to-use system for you and your guests to place, fulfill, and pay for orders. Guests can use their personal devices to order and pay, and their state-of-the-art system makes managing your menu and fulfillment orders simply. They do not charge outrageous fees for the other like other third-party services, and they let you control your system directly, which is kind of amazing. So does GoTab replace my POS system? No. GoTab system is designed to be both an integrator and a standalone service. So they do have full POS capabilities, but it also works with most legacy systems. Do you need to buy hardware? No, hardware is not required. They're going to try and use all of your existing receipt printers, tablets, and KDS systems. There's some pretty amazing stuff. They allow a digital wallet and Apple Pay. The staff receives the orders in several ways, digitally through a receipt printer or within your POS system. It is so, so easy. One of my favorite things, because we do our own delivery, is GoTab creates pick tickets, manages drivers, and creates delivery routes. Delivery drivers can use their GoTab account for both navigation and SMS communications with your customers. So if you wanted to make that leap, you wanted to make the leap, and I want to start doing my own to-go and delivery, later on in this episode, you're going to hear me and Jim Myers talk about a new opportunity that's coming about that, that we're going to start here at Nashville Restaurant Radio. Actually, it's with New Light Hospitality, but it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do a class. We're going to show you how to do this. We're going to bring some money back and put it into your pockets. And GoTab seamlessly integrates with what we're doing. So they're just an amazing company. They're a brand new, and they're not brand new, but they're a new company. They're all over the West Coast, and they have a special deal for you. You need to go to gotab.io forward slash en forward slash nrr. From there, you have a landing page that you can sign up for a free demo. By being a National Restaurant Radio listener, you're going to get $500 if you do need to buy hardware, if there is hardware that you want, anything you want at all. You're going to get $500 of your first bit for free. They did that. I said, "Look, they they offered me. They said, "Do you want every time somebody signs up, we'd love to give you some money." And I said, "No. You pass that back along to the people. I want to show value to the people." However, Do not go to just gotab.io. Go to gotab.io forward slash en forward slash nrr. It is worth $500 to you if you do that. That's not a gimmick. You can go look on their website. You can't get that. That is only for our listeners. So I'm excited to turn that on to you. Gotab.io forward slash en forward slash nrr. This is a brand new technology to Nashville. You need to jump on it today. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, coming at you on a monday baby yeah it's a monday are you ready to go out there and take this week by storm hell yeah it's monday let's go i am pumped shot out of a cannon today because we are talking to jim myers and jim myers is besides being one of my favorite people um We talk about it at the show. He's kind of a newer friend, and he's just, we could talk for hours and hours and hours. We actually forgot to take a picture, and I said, hey, meet me tomorrow. Can we take a picture? And he said, yeah. Uh, I said, I'm going hiking. You want to go with me? So we brought our dogs, and we talked for another hour and a half, and it was so much fun. Uh, In this end, you're going to learn all about the Elliston Place Soda Shop, but just so much more. His storytelling from the history of Nashville, he's so eloquent and so just such a beautiful man, and I'm excited to share this interview with you. I want to tell you guys a story. Uh, this is not. This is just a personal story of of greatness. That sometimes greatness happens, and I don't know where I'm going with this story. I just thought I would tell it because I thought it was freaking hilarious. We uh, we all work in restaurants. So Mother's Day is not a day that we typically get to spend with moms or spouses or anybody because we're always working, right? So we have a thing in our house that you know, hey, hey, honey, I got to be at work all day. It's a very busy day, and I'm gone the majority of the day. So we do Mother's Day the week after Mother's Day, which this year um, was last weekend. And I decided that uh, she'd been talking about going to Sound Waves at Opryland for a really long time, and I was uh, I, I looked online. They've got a Davidson County special. Uh, or is a Nashville? If you live in Nashville, you can get a discount to stay there. It's not really a discount; it's still expensive as hell. But the point is, I was just really excited to get the wife and kids there. So we go. We, we're going to do the sound waves. We've, we've got the room, and it, you know, like I said it's not cheap, but we're we're there. Uh, we park, and it's valet and all this stuff. And I get to the place, and I said, "Hey, man, uh, we're checking in." And if you had a room that like had a balcony in the Cascades. I think that'd be really, could you, you know, could you think you can upgrade? You know, we're trying to help this out. And he goes, yeah, man, let me check it out. Let me see what you got. And he starts searching through the thing. And he and, and I'm I'm fairly lucky with hotels and people hooking me up with, with upgrades and goes, you know what? We do have a room in the Cascades uh, with a view. It's great. It's on the third floor. Would you like that room? And I went, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He goes, I also have a parlor. You know, is thats a room that has like you know the the living room and all. They go, "Wow, does it have a balcony?" He's like, "Yeah." And I go, "Okay." I mean, yeah, that sounds great. He goes, great. The parlor is like one seventy nine extra, and the room in the Cascades is going to be seventy nine dollars extra. And I'm like, I, I mean, listen—that's like—is that the equivalent of, "Hey, man, make the drink strong." You know, me asking for some sort of an upgrade. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of a jackass, but uh. So I said, you know what, man, seven, seven. God, I just feel like I paid so much. I was like, you know what, don't worry about it. It's okay. We'll just take the room. What room is it? Oh, it's, a, it's a standard room, two queen beds. It's facing the parking lot. I'm like, hey, the parking lot's a good view. No, it's really not. So my kids walk up. Dad, what's taking so long? And I said, I'm working on it, buddy. I'm working on it. And uh, and he goes, where's our room? He goes, do we have a balcony? And uh, I looked at the guy and he like shook his head like, no, no, you don't have a balcony. And so then the kid walked away and I went, you know, man, just, just, just give me the room with the balcony. It's fine. Just do it. Let's just do that. Let's just do that. And he goes, you sure? And I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. He gave him the credit card. Let's let's go. What's $79. It's not the end of the world, right? It's a special day. So we, we get the bags, we're walking down the hallway and we go up the elevator and you know, it's just like it seems like everything's taking a while. We start walking down the hall, and this hallway is like a, a mile long the longest hall I've ever seen in my entire life. We get to the room, and I swipe the little card, or I put the card on the key thing, open the door, and my wife says, "Oh my god, it has a balcony on the Cascades." She goes, "I've dreamed of staying in this room since I was a little girl." And <laughs> I will tell you, as a man who's a provider and a husband. No better words have ever come out of my wife's mouth. I mean, just versus $79 spent. You go, this is something I've been dreaming of since I was a little girl staying in a room. And she's never stayed. There. We've never stayed at the Opera Hotel ever one time in our life. And so this is uh, this is one of those moments where you kind of, oh, thank God I made that decision. Thank God I said, yes, you should do that and the room was gorgeous the whole hotel was absolutely amazing sound waves was a ton of fun the kids got to do the flow rider thing where they're like boogie boarding it was an absolute blast if you can i highly recommend doing it the outside wasn't open but it will be open and uh it, it was a lot of fun so they're not a sponsor or anything i just I would share that fun story that the good fortune of mine to say you know man just give me that room uh, I had no idea that that was a situation but apparently it was so awesome um, all right so enough of my my silly stories thank you guys for listening again hey go follow us on social media um, go follow us on instagram at nashville underscore restaurant underscore radio and send me a message and tell me your thoughts on the show's Give me your recommendations to who you'd like to have on the show. Uh, I'm pretty good. If you have somebody you really want to hear and you get in there, I can I, I can try and get them on. I might, I try and be all over the place. But if you have somebody that you really love and you want to hear their story, you think that they're really interesting, shoot me a message, hit me up, and uh, hopefully I can I can make that happen for you. So we got a lot of fun things coming up on the horizon, and uh, at the end of the end of the show, you're gonna hear about a new venture that we're doing that is going to hopefully be a game changer. I'm super excited, and uh, I don't want to make you wait any longer before we talk to Jim Myers. Super excited today to welcome back to the show, Jim Myers. Hi, Jim.
1: Good morning. How are you, Mr. Still? I'm.
0: You know what? I'm <laughs> wonderful. I'm so. I've been looking forward to the day for like a week and a half. However long it's been since we decided we were going to do this. I have been, like, eagerly looking forward to this morning.
1: Me as well. You know, I love talking to you, and we always have great rambling conversations when we do get together, and there's always so much to talk about, and it's Mm just trying to rein it in, and I guess that's your job as the host, to give it some form.
0: I mean, I guess, but I think the fun is not having form. Right, right. I did go back and I listened to our first episode. Do you know when you were last on? Like the first time we did like a show?
1: I, I'm i guessing it was before the soda shop opened.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah.
1: Like, was it 2020?
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what day? No. Uh, the episode, I think we recorded on April the 8th, 2020. Wow. We were in the middle of quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like. And, and it's painful how much I didn't know you when I go back and listen to the interview. <laughs> and I go back and I'm, and uh, this is really the, the most exciting thing about doing this podcast for me is that I knew of you and I knew, but like after that interview, I felt like I had a new friend. Yeah. And how many times we've seen each other since then. And every time I see you, I feel like I'm seeing like an old friend. And me too. And I love it. It's like the my favorite thing about the podcast is being able I feel like we went through this time where we weren't allowed to connect with people, but I connected with more people than I ever have in my life.
1: Right. Well, that's the beauty of having this platform too and meeting new people and interviewing them. And it's it's honestly one of the things I miss most about being a journalist is having a license to sit down and talk with people and coax their stories out of them. And that's a that's a great fun thing to do
0: it is i'm I get giddy i get so excited to, so you said we're starting here and i, I have a thing i don't like to do a lot of conversation like walking in the door because i right. like to get to like it's good to see you
1: good to see you it's good to be seen you know it's nice to be out and uh <laughs> <laughs> not wearing a mask not wearing a mask smile and yeah yeah to see what people's faces look like
0: the last time we did this, you were sitting in your studio, or it was like a, a room in your house, and we were oh, looking right. at each other. Uh, I think we, I was doing it via Zoom.
1: at that. That's right. Point. Yeah. I was in my, my home office. Yeah. But uh, this is a lot better, face-to-face. <laughs> Much better. Yeah.
0: So I think after we got off the last time, you said, okay, so that, that was fun, man. Thanks for the interview. You said, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm going to tell you, don't tell anybody. <laughs> Oh no! But I th- well, this is what you're doing now. You said, "Oh right, right th- we're gonna redo the Elliston Place Soda Shop, and I'm gonna come in, and I'm gonna do all this stuff." And you kind of after the interview, and you said, "But t- this is all still very quiet. Nobody knows anything. We're not talking about it, right? And yeah. Now, obviously, the
1: cat's out of the bag. <laughs> oh boy, is it? Yeah, that yeah. boy. That's so. Yeah, two years. A lot happens in two years. <laughs> oh. Um, you know starting a restaurant build out during covid thinking, "Oh, this is no problem. Covid's going to be over in a few months. That's fine. We're we're building out a restaurant. We couldn't be open anyhow. This is perfect."
0: Perfect.
1: And then we were ready in September to open the doors and covid was still surging and we hadn't even had that winter of 2020 surge yet uh, around the holidays and um Tony Giratana, the owner, just said, you know what? I don't want to open at half capacity with plexiglass baffles between the booths. I don't I don't want to open like that. We've put a lot of effort in and uh, soul into this place. Let's wait till we can open it the way we'd like to open it. So we waited until May, you know, September to May. That's a long time. May one. Twenty one, yeah, and yeah. That, that gives you time to overthink everything. <laughs> Just when you've made decisions and crossed things off the list, oh, we've got a few more months. Let's let's think about it again, which is not not good always. <laughs> and um, we uh, and even when we did open, we were still under a mask restriction for. The employees, at least, um, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't recommend opening during a pandemic if you can help it. Opening a restaurant is a very difficult task. It's you're in, right.
0: In, in in a normal economy, without any crazy exterior forces hitting you, opening a restaurant is not easy. There's, no. There's so many little details and so many little things you have to get done. And I think you throw a pandemic in the middle of it and it's like this, okay, like Right. What can't we do
1: now? Yeah, yeah. And the staffing issues that were bad before and you know, the, the C shift change that's happened after the pandemic for this whole industry of people rethinking do I want to work in a restaurant? Can I find something better to do? Uh, were, some... you, were you one of those people? <laughs> <laughs> I have I have questioned my sanity so many times during this process. Now you wrote about restaurants for years. I did.
0: You were a quote unquote critic.
1: Yes, I was a full-on old-school anonymous critic, and. Anything you want to take back? <laughs> I've 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 sent some uh, notes of apology to a few people. I have, actually. I won't say who, but uh yeah, my uh someone asked if my uh, icy heart had melted a little bit um during this phase. No, there's been uh there's been I wouldn't say comeuppance. But certainly a deeper realization of how hard this business is. Um, And a, uh, you know, everyone's got great ideas. And I had some great ideas going into this. Thinking, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. And you learn quickly that you're bound by things like labor and food costs. Oh, yeah, there's a business behind this Yeah, and there is. And I think there are still, there will always be people in the restaurant business who don't have that business sense. You wonder why the failure rate is so high for this industry. And you you see that if you don't have things firmly, you know, under control, um, eventually the... uh, Having a lot of people walk through the door um, can hide your sins only so long. Well, restaurateurs are typically very
0: nice people. We have a spirit of service. Yes. You want to greet people. You want to be like, hi, we're so happy you're here. And the industry itself is very grueling. You know, it's kind of like the hotel business. I have no, I have never worked in hotels, but I have massive amounts of respect because it just... Every day it keeps coming. Like it's it's not like, you know, before when you're writing, where it's like I need to take a personal day. I got to take a day. I got to take two days. Whatever it is, you could take a couple days. But in a restaurant, running a restaurant management, like every single day, keeps coming. You have to have staff to open the restaurant. You have to have enough food. You have to have enough people. You have to have all your reservations in line. You've got and you've got to get all of those people there and then motivate those people. To be excited to serve people that are sometimes assholes.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you're right. Once you turn that open sign on, it doesn't stop. Mm-mm. It just does not stop. And uh, you learn that. I re- I recall very often when Randy Rayburn, who talked me into this folly, said... He said a couple things. One, and I think these are great summations. And he said these things separately, but I, they work together. He said, one, the restaurant business is a blue-collar business. Don't have any uh, feeling that it's not. It is a blue-collar business. It is hard physical labor, and it is. Yeah, it is. And the other thing he says is restaurant restaurants are theater. Every day, every service, every plate is a one-act play that is performed daily, nightly, every day. And it is. And somewhere in the middle of all of that is the beauty of what true hospitality is. Yes. And, it's, and it attracts a certain kind of person. A certain kind of person enjoys that, is willing to suffer the, the physical uh, constraints, is willing to suffer the stress of service, um, and the adrenaline rush of, of having people come to the door and taking care of them during a, a busy service and making sure everything works as well as it can. And that's, that takes a certain person to do that.
0: <laughs> the, the, the amount of emotions that I just felt as you were describing that, just the 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 kind of the low when you first get there and then getting ramped up and then when that door does open yeah i i used to love you know we do lineup before the shift and you get everybody pumped up and you you get all the specials and everything and you look towards the front door and there's like 20 people standing at the front door there's like this this jitter like this excitement that i would get and i go oh yeah it's on guys like and it's like that moment where you go from drinking coffee filling up You know, salt and peppers, and wiping down tables, and just getting ready, preparing to—it's on
1: for that curtain to go up. Here, yeah, and and
0: and you're officially like, "Here we go!" I'm on stage, and you just and you go on, and it's you just go, and there—it's a special, it's a special thing. I think that we 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 call it turbo boost in our restaurant, right? Because you you kick in your turbo boost. Here we go. But I think that's just a, I think that's a spirit of service. I think that's a restaurant people thing. We call that people that feel that butterfly, that get that excitement. Right. We call restaurant people.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm still not sure I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love the hospitality side of things, but there's a part of me that gets so filled with angst when there's a line at the door. And you want, it's, it's that, that deep, desire to please people also with wanting everything to be perfect which it never is nope. and, and never can be and um it Craig Clift our our GM I know you know Craig very well and Craig thrives on
0: the edge of chaos
1: on the chaos he yeah. he act it, it just pumps him up and thrives and me it just fills me with angst <laughs> It's why I'm I'm absolutely terrible as an expediter because I just get overamped and the plates and looking at the the electronic tickets hanging in the window and looking over my shoulder at the restaurant and looking at people looking around for they need something and seeing people at the door and it's it's a lot it is a lot there's a there's a respect
0: that you have because. I, I think expediting is one of my favorite things right because you're literally the air traffic controller
1: no and it's for I mean, certain people
0: yeah I, I I not get off on it but like that's one of my favorite
1: <laughs> you know you can say that because some people really do yeah. they 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 seize that that responsibility and and the uh the speed and having all these moving parts working and getting them in concert so it's, I, it's a rush
0: I want to break that down so if, if if you're listening to this, and I'll explain what we're talking about, right? Because I, I, sometimes people who aren't restaurant people listen to this podcast, and they're like, what's an expediter? I don't understand why that's so hard. <laughs> so if you're at a table and you got six people or four people, whatever it is, and grandpa orders a cheeseburger well done, and then mom orders a salad with grilled chicken, and then you get another person gets a grilled cheese sandwich, and then there's a medium-rare steak. Right, so you've got four different dishes that typically take different times to cook. If I fire that well-done or that medium-rare steak at the same time I fire the well-done burger, that steak's going to sit in the window and overcook. So at some point, we have two main rules in restaurants. One is you serve hot food hot and you serve cold food cold. Well, if you have cold food and hot food on the same check... How do you make sure those things come out at the exact same time? So you can serve hot food, hot, cold food, cold. There's one guy, there's one person, male, female, who sits in the middle of the kitchen. And when tickets come in, when servers send the ticket in, they then look at these tickets and they go, hey, hold the salad here or fire the salad, start the pasta. Don't start the pasta. We got four chickens all day. All day is a term for how many total the the, the line cooker, the chef is cooking. And you have to kind of put all of that together and then set it there to be ran to a table, all of that perfectly at the same time, go, and then do that a thousand times a night. Right. With <laughs> I mean, I mean it, and it's just, and it never, when you have 30 tickets on a board, <laughs> and 30 different tables going at the same time, and you're trying to match where everything goes... You got those two fillets working. I need this. And then to right. get the you're, medium, medium well, medium rare, all of those things perfect every time. you giving is a me work of
1: anxiety art. just talking about it. <laughs> so. It's so much fun. But Miss Linda, who's been there for 30 years, loves to put me in expo. And she goes, you need to learn how to do this. because, And you do, because if you're part of the management team, you need to be able to step in any role at any time. And uh, she just likes to see me squirm up there. But she won't let me squirm too much. If things are starting to build up a little bit too much, she'll come in and help. So So I I think what I
0: originally thought of you doing in that building was you were going to be the person that when people walked in the door, you said, welcome to the Elliston Place Soda Shop. And like you were just kind of curating these experiences for people, remembering people's names, welcoming in Shaking hands, kissing babies, and really kind of putting the cherry on top of an amazing experience with this history, the rich history of what's happening there. Is that what you're doing now? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, well, when I romantically thought about this
1: job. Well, that, I mean, ostensibly, that's what I was hired to do. and uh, Now I'm expoing Brandon. And I still do that. Um, and I'm finally doing more of that
0: again. Table visits.
1: Yeah, just, um, just being there and, and sharing our stories and talking to people. And, um, and that's what I love. And I've been in Nashville long enough that I can look around the dining room and go, at any given night, that's Tony Brown sitting over there. Country music went through Tony Brown in the 90s. Tony Brown was Elvis's keyboard player. Wow. Tony Brown produced 100 number one hits. But Tony comes in and sits down by himself and orders what we call the Jimmy Buffett special, which is fried chicken and coconut meringue pie. And um, But the, the young servers, they don't know who that is. So it's, it's a chance to welcome people in acknowledge them and people like to be acknowledged Yeah, and um and then look around and go oh there's bruce Doby former editor of the nashville scene sitting over there there's uh ralph he runs the nashville chamber there's glenn funk he's running for district attorney again and um and sort of celebrate that uh there's howard gentry who used to come to the soda shop as a boy and was turned away because he was black. Uh, but is now a lifetime friend of the soda shop and, and share his story with people. Um, so that's, that's the beautiful thing about the restaurant business is that sense of community that a place that's been around a long time holds. Now, Go back to May of 21 when we opened our doors, it became less about that and putting your finger in the dike to stop the leaks and the holes. And it turned into a good, I would say, 10 months of being a floor manager. You know, on some days, making milkshakes for four hours straight. When when someone doesn't show up or you're short-staffed, Uh, for that station it's being the host because you don't have a host for that shift it's being expo it's bussing tables which I enjoy uh, or working in the dish pit because they're backed up or it's a weird transition between two shifts when everything always seems to go to hell uh, the thing. It's it's all of that. It's closing the restaurant at night um, and doing checkouts. It's a little bit of of everything, um, and uh, and I enjoyed it, and I'm so glad I had that experience. But I'm also very glad I can now step back into that that ambassador role and focus on marketing and branding and community relations and social media and all those necessary things, um, and how in thinking about how we can grow our business, how we can put more people in the seats, because that never ends. No matter who you are, how good you are, you can't ever take for granted having people walk in that door. No, it's very,
0: very important. That's why our number one at, at both of our restaurants, and I've got two iconic restaurants with you know Green Hills Grill and Maribel. I mean, yeah, yeah. Talk about iconic names people have been eating there for 30 40 years. You have a lot longer than that there. A little bit, a little but, bit longer. but that's
1: still a pretty good run in the community and the name the name means something to people.
0: It does. Um it's I don't know, it's just a it's a crazy it's a crazy experience. I find that people like you who's a crea- you're a creative, right? I mean you right. do a There's a lot of I don't know how to describe it because I'm the same one, but I I consider myself to be a visionary to some degree in what we do because I'm constantly looking forward. But there's a there's a creation of something. You're constantly searching for ideas. You're reading articles. You're listening to podcasts. You're out there just and it's exhausting because you don't get to see immediate results. No. So but when you are a floor manager. So for me, like today, I'm finished this interview and then I'm going to go run a shift at Maribel because we have a sick manager. Right, and I said, "I got you. I'm yeah. there." Right, yeah. And I'm so excited because I know for four or five hours, I'm playing restaurant. Right, I know what I'm doing and I can execute very, very well because I walk in the door and I have a list of things I need to do. I'm not creating anything; I'm executing, and I get to go walk around, and talk to people. And bust tables, and there's an immediate satisfaction in busting a table. You take something that's dirty, and immediately you get, it's, it's clean. You go, I did that. Yeah. I get to bank that little bit of success exactly. I just did. I don't have to think about something. I yeah. edit on it, write it down, edit it, go back, right, set this up, and then two months later, I see the fruition. Like I'm, it's there's an immediacy to that, and it feels good.
1: There is, and it does absolutely. So it is a weird balance yeah. of those two very different things. To work very hard on something that may may never come to fruition, or comes to fruition months later. You yeah. know,
0: you're also working on seven other things when that happens. Yeah. So it's hard to take that moment and go right. Wow, it's done. You're like, that's done. I have seven other things I got to go do. Yeah, it's hard. You know, but it's, I think some of it's perspective of living in the moment and going, okay, that was fun. I yeah. got to just run a shift today, and I, I led a team of people through a really busy lunch, and look what we accomplished. Yes, there's, there's a, to me, there's a massive sense of satisfaction to that.
1: Yeah. If in my ideal world I would be able to work on the creative side and be there, do it there, but the reality is, excuse me, <clears throat> The reality is, when you're sitting in the restaurant looking at your computer screen trying to work on something, you can't help but look up and see the person standing at the front door waiting to be seated. Nope. Or hear the, and our expo is, it's an open kitchen. Hear the Shh, line cook sh, go, sh. you know, I got food to run.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's why I, why i have this office <laughs> right
1: because none of that happens here no no get stuff done so i'm trying to still find that perfect when i really need to sit down and get stuff done and make calls and write things uh i'll do it away but but i'm trying to f- be present there more because i love being there and and seeing people and and talking to people because that's that's the beauty of this business
0: It is, and I'm glad you're here today. Um, Let's change the topic. Sure. We we can talk about this for days (laughs) and go back and forth. Changing the subject right after this super fast word from our sponsors. We are talking today about the Compost Company. At compostcompany.com, you can learn more right now. One of the things that I think is super important is references, right? You ask people for references, hey, if you're using a company, then you've gone through and you've made all of the decisions. And if there's people that you respect who have made these decisions, maybe you should do the same thing too. So I thought I would rattle off a few people, a few customers of theirs in this city, people who are doing the right thing, composting the Music City Center, Whole Foods, Starbucks, the Hilton Hotel downtown, Country Music Hall of Fame, Vanderbilt University, the Nashville Farmers Market, uh, Jenny's Ice Cream, Hunter's Station in East Nashville, Rolf and Daughters, Nordstrom, Metro, Metro Nashville Public Works, Second Harvest Food Bank, Gardens of Babylon, The Great House Company, uh, St. Bernard Academy, Tri Star Skyline Medical Center, Caterpillar Financial, Lowe's Vanderbilt Plaza Hotel. Guys, there are people in all of those businesses who made the decision to check out the compost company because they're doing the right thing and it's something that will help our our world. And I think you should at least check it out. So visit them at compostcompany.com or if you want to go straight to Jeffrey Ezel, his brothers Jeffrey and Clay, go listen to their episode a couple weeks back or give Jeffrey a call. His cell phone is 615-866-8152. That's 615-866-8152. You know, in the episode the other day, we talked about getting things done. And I know right now you have it on your checklist to call Erin Moso over at Sharpie's Bakery. You've heard me talk about her for the last six months talking about locally owned and operated woman owned bakery. They've been serving Nashville's locally owned and operated restaurants for 36 years they deliver six days a week, and you've said, I, I really need to call her and find out. I need to go visit that website. What is it again? Sharpies.com. That's C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com. Go check them out. See what they've got. Put on your list to call Erin Moso today. Have her stop by. Learn more about their company. Support local. If you're a local restaurant and you're buying bread from a broadliner, you need to stop right now. Uh, Her number is 615-319-6453. Take that off your to-do list and get it done. 615-319-6453. Aaron Mosso at Sharpier's Bakery. Last but not least, I want to talk about what chefs want. I know you probably use what chefs want, but do you follow them? So you should go to the socials and you need to follow What Chefs Want on Instagram as well as Facebook because if you were, you would know that you could get Losada's Carmine Mix of Five Spanish Olives. That is the beautiful, beautiful packaging, amazing, amazing product. You can get those right now. You can get Shuckman's Smoked Rainbow Trout. Uh, and then also, I saw this the other day. I loved that it. it was green strawberries, local green strawberries from Vision Farms in Tennessee. They're lean and tart and they're beautiful. They uh, have notes of grass and kiwi refreshing refreshing acidity I'm telling you to see so many cool things and now that they have a facility in Colorado, they're bringing in really cool like springborn greens from Colorado and stuff you just cannot find anywhere and no, I know you're using creation guards what chefs want but you know what you've got to follow them on the socials they are updating they'll let you know exactly what they've got they are amazing whatchefswant.com is another great place to go or give them a call 800-685-10 they really are what chefs want what have you been up to? How's your kid? Baseball?
1: Oh, man. Nashville
0: life? Like, what else is going on with you?
1: Yeah, I got a son in high school, and he's he plays baseball, and he's baseball obsessed, which I love. I did not play baseball, but I grew up loving baseball, and growing up in Milwaukee, I had the privilege to, to know to have kids in my school who were the daughter of the owner of the team, which was Bud Selig at the time, who went on to become commissioner of baseball. And then uh, Harry Dalton, who was the architect of the great Baltimore teams, and he had come to Milwaukee, and he's the one who got the Brewers to a World Series. His daughter was in my class. So we we would grow up going to games and having that insider privilege, but sitting in the owner's box – back then in the late 70s, early 80s, was not fancy at at the old Milwaukee County Stadium. They were essentially corrugated metal boxes hanging off the side (laughs) of the upper deck, and they had plastic tables and folding chairs, and it wasn't fancy, but it was great because you were there. It was baseball. You were listening to the GM talk to agents on the phone as people were playing and wow. and there's Bud Seelig's mother over there who um, who gave him his love for baseball. She was a Ukrainian immigrant and uh, he she grew up in New York and fell in love with baseball in New York and instilled that in her son and and there's, yeah Mrs. Seelig teaching me how to score a baseball game properly. So I grew up with that love. So having a son who plays, is great to see the game through his eyes and his love for it. And then he uh, he played for Overton this year, and they made the mistake of letting me be the PA announcer. And, oh, really? Uh, so I could channel my I, – I, I like to think I'm equal parts um, Vin Scully of the Dodgers, who is one of the greatest – the, in the game I think he's the greatest and then bob euchre of the brewers you know his sense of humor and everything and and i wasn't really calling the game all i'm doing is just hawking our our concession stand you know the best burgers this side of franklin pike you know <laughs> and uh so but you get in, in a microphone here too oh my god <laughs> I, I love it and uh and so that was the highlight of my spring, not just watching my son play, but being able to get on the microphone. And uh, after the opposing team would, would if they hit a player with a pitch, I have my new signature catchphrase. Well, after a visit from the seamstress. <laughs> Next up to bat, number nine, Mike Waddell. That's so fantastic. That was fun. So yeah so that's just having a sixteen year old at home and who's starting to drive and you, and all of that
0: do you take inspiration from Bob euchre's now I it's funny because you know that he was the Brewers announcer I just thought he was the Cleveland Indians
1: announcer oh <laughs> right no yeah he's just a bit that's sorry. right no I do <laughs> like, yeah he was he was great and what and just a League. great guy and he's <sighs> still he still works for the Brewers so he's still out there
0: wow he Amazing. I don't know if you called it. <laughs> I get to, I, um, yesterday, last night we had our first playoff game. I have two boys, seven and eight years old now. Uh, they're on the same team. Eight, you coach pitch. Nice. I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm one of the coaches on the team. Okay. Very similar to running a floor shift in a restaurant. <laughs> yes. With kids running around, not listening to you. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and I, I, I'm going to catch shit for saying that, but it's funny. Um, but we lost last night. So we have a game tomorrow night. And it's Mike like one of the kids loves playing and the other kid is like this sucks. <laughs> like he hates it. It's like it's like dragging him to the car to get him to the game. He's like I don't want to go. And all he wants to do is bat. And every time that the ending ends and he's on deck, it is like a
1: nuclear <laughs> like what
0: what is going on? I was going to bat. And he freaks out and he cry and I'm like dude this is a lot right now it's
1: hard it's a stupid game <laughs> it's such a hard game to teach kids it is it's slow it's complicated it's it's a thousand situations it and is. it's it, it if if all you can do is keep them engaged and having fun then you've won and if you can do that even when they're 16 years old as they as they continue to learn the game. My son's summer coach is a great guy named Gar Valone. And, and I, I, he, he was the first like coach I'd ever met who would say, yeah, this is a dumb game. It's hard. It's like, if you can hit the ball one out of three times, you're great. You know, (laughs) it's humbling. And, um, you know, I, I my son made a, a mistake at third base and, and he said, "Congratulations, Arthur! You've now learned your your five hundred sixty fifth situation, and there are only about ten thousand more to go." Yeah, <laughs> and it's uh, it's crazy, but I but we love it. it. It it's like the restaurant business. Restaurant business is a stupid business. What a crazy way to make money! And with all those variables and all these things that you can't control, and those that you can are flying. In a million different directions, and like we said, it's it's just back breaking and joint destroying, and uh, yet we do it and we we play it and we we and thrive on it.
0: I find the restaurant business makes it tougher for me, like at home, because I feel like I'm like Teflon and I don't have emotions anymore. I mean, I. Dead, haven't had emotions for a long time. I'm learning how to have emotions again. Right. But like, you know, something will happen, right? And my wife like, this is happening. I'm like, okay, so we'll do this, this, and this, and this. And she's like, no, but you understand. I'm like, no, I do. The answer is, it's like, I don't have the capacity right. to stop. I'm like, oh, no, you don't understand, honey. <laughs> like, shit happens all day, every day. <laughs> hey, somebody just pooped on the wall in the bathroom. Somebody threw up in the dining room. Somebody just spilled this. Somebody just, it's like, okay, what's next? You just,
1: right. the
0: line cook just walked out in the middle of the shift and you got, it's like every single day there's a million things thrown at you and I get home and I'm like, honey, it's not a big deal. It's a big deal to me. And I'm like, oh, okay. If that's what, that's what it is. Then that's great. <laughs> that's so true. But it's, it's, it's no, just it's a, like, so I don't true. care anymore. Like, I'm like, it doesn't matter to yeah. me because I will just figure it out. Right. I mean, nothing just—nothing
1: sol- is n- nothing unsolvable. is terminal.
0: Let's just yeah. wh- whatever. Okay. <coughs> no, it's true. I think That's it's very true. Something that we all have to deal with in this this business is just yeah. yeah. And I always thought that was the most amazing thing is that I get up every day and I have zero clue. I have no clue what's going to happen. Right. Um. I had uh, I had one of my heroes come in the restaurant the other day. Have you had any have you ever been starstruck? Do you get oh, that at all?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I've met a million famous people over the years and and I've had conversations with three members of the royal family and all these things. But um when I met uh Johnny Cash, I was I had he, yeah. you know he did his classic, Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. And all I could do was look at him and go, "Yes you are." <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, what do you do, right? And
1: I ran out of things to say at that point. So I was a 90s, you know,
0: grunge, Pearl Jam is my all-time favorite band. I have such a like an emotional response to Nirvana music and like Smashing Pumpkins was one of those bands to me. The melancholy and the infinite sadness and I was this angry <laughs> kid you know this teenager oh, yeah. and every Smashing Pumpkins song Nirvana Pearl Jam Soundgarden all those bands just spoke to my soul and the other day I'm at the grill and I see this guy come in he's wearing a black jacket that says zero across the front and I was like holy shit that's Billy Corgan and he's just <laughs> sitting in the lobby and I'm like, what's the name on that reservation? What's the name of that party? She's like, uh, Hillary. And it was, uh, he was in there with Hillary Williams, and um, and I was like, that that that's that, that is Billy Corgan. Like, holy shit! And I start shaking. <laughs> right. I'm like shaking. Like this dude wrote the songs that helped me get through my teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. Or helped shape my teenage years to some degree. And so I'm like, I'm see, I'm going to take him to the table. I'm taking the table, and I take him to the table. She sees a friend. And she walks over to say hi, and so he's sitting there by himself. And I just was, was like, "I don't ever do this," <laughs> <laughs> and this is totally unprofessional, right? But you're like one of four people in the world that I would like. You're you're this guy, and he was so gracious and so nice. But I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah, uh, Nashville's a fun place.
1: It is. It really is to have people like that come in, and but to, you know, the Nashville way is not to bother people
0: i know i don't and we have lots of but you want to
1: talk to them you want to acknowledge like i said acknowledge them and and you know that's talking about tony brown coming in or i just wrote a blog post about keith bilbrey coming in and keith was in the he was a dj for wsm and he was a host of the Grand Ole opry and he did all these things he was on the opry for 30 years and but he's not as involved anymore, and so it's nice for him to feel recognized and and welcomed and acknowledged again. And it's it's great to be able to do that for folks. And this is a guy. Even even Tony Brown said, you know, this this game has kind of passed me by a little bit. People don't care who I am anymore. And I'm thinking, man, that that's sad to me because you're. You're fucking Tony Brown. <laughs> can I swear on this show? Hell yeah, you can. <laughs> it's like, you're the guy. You're one of the most amazing people in, in this city who had a profound impact on, on the economy of the city and the, the genre and produced so many great songs. And he was talking about, he was surprised how uh, one of the new artists had even heard of him. And I'm wow. going, well, someone needs to teach these new artists a thing about the history of the city. Um, but that's that's, that's, a, that's another topic. Well,
0: that's interesting because I don't think that, like, I don't think about that stuff. Yeah. I think that just what, kind of what's in front of me, and you think about all of old Nashville and what it was, and they're still here. Right. And it's still going on, but I think a lot of them probably feel forgotten.
1: They do. And. You know that's the that's the scary perspective on age and aging, and you know I I graduated from high school in 1980 and I'm turning 60 this year. Okay, and uh, s- someone said when when we were seniors in high school in 1980, the people who are our age now, people who were sixty sixty years old then were World War Two veterans. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't feel like someone who would be a World War Two veteran to someone who's a senior in high school now. I don't think of that gap or that distance. But it's it's huge. And it, it's culturally huge. And you So I'm constantly amazed, talking to our young servers, of who they've never heard of. And I know it sounds such an old, old guy line. <laughs> what do you mean? But it would be just the same as talking to a an, uh, an angst-ridden 18-year-old in 1980 and asking them about Glenn Miller Band. I don't know. I know, who's Glenn Miller? What, oh, that kind of old-fashioned big band music? No one listens to that anymore. And it's the same thing today. And, I mean, that's just the the mystery of time. I think
0: three-quarters of the servers that were there that day had no idea who Billy Corgan was. Like, uh, I'm was, sure. Smashing what? There's a band that has smashing pumpkins? Like, yeah. What, I don't understand that. Like, what, no, Nobody right. knew who they were. Alan Jackson comes into Maribel from time to time. Nobody knows who he is. Wow. Like, like Alan Jackson. Now, he looks completely different when he's not Yeah, Alan Jackson. He's got a
1: cowboy hat on. A or, cowboy or a hat baseball and hat, and hat instead he, of a yeah, cowboy wears, hat. Yeah, he wears it. He doesn't.
0: But I recognize him pretty quickly. I'm like, wow, that's Alan Jackson. And he has a table that he has to sit at and the whole thing. But, like, yeah. servers would go on and have no clue that that's <laughs> Alan Jackson. They're like, who's Alan Jackson? I've
1: got a great Alan Jackson story for you. Give it. Come on. <laughs> so... Had a very dear friend named Maud Gilman. Maud worked for Arista Records. She was hired. She was employee number two of Arista Records in New York, hired by Clive Davis. Wow. Okay, and uh, Maud was the quintessential New Yorker. She had the accent, and she was the head of creative services. So all the video album artwork. Wow. marketing materials, all of that. And she moved to Nashville to work for Tim Dubois, at the new Arista thing here. And I'd pop in and see her from time to time at her office because it was always a fun place to hang out. And Maud is there and she's just beside herself. I've never seen her so stressed out and upset. <clears throat> and she's just going fuck, fuck, fuck. Which she was no <laughs> choir girl, but that it, this was even on. over the top for New York Maud Gilman, and I go, "What's going on?" she goes. "Helen Jackson shaved his fucking mustache off, <laughs> and we shot all of the album artwork for his next album, and now he's decided he wants to put it back. <laughs> so she had to photoshop. His mustache back on every piece of artwork that they were going to use for the album launch because he decided he didn't like the way he looked without the mustache, and she That's she awesome. was in a scramble to meet deadlines to make sure that that mustache was put back on his face. See, the record business isn't that far <laughs> from restaurants. <business>. No, <laughs> it's the same thing. No, I'll well, never never forget that. It was very funny. That's a great story. No. Yeah.
0: Put <laughs> the mustache back on, Did they have Photoshop How long ago was that?
1: Well, that would have been that? I mean the I nine guess. I mean, yeah, they had some version of it, you know that they could use to do that, and Maud was a magician with that kind of thing, so hmm. old Alan Jackson shaved that signature mustache off
0: we always you know, it's funny, so listen back to our old episode, um, and we just go back into like these old Nashville stories, yeah. I feel like that's just like a, a a thing.
1: Yeah. Well, it is. It just pulling in here um to your office here on 21st. You're next to the laundromat. Yeah. And it's been called the Rock and Roll Laundromat and the, you know, the one right who, ne- oh, on the yeah. corner of Blair and right, 21st. Yeah, on yeah. the corner of Blair and 21st. And I'll <laughs> I was working on a film project at the time, the thing called Love. Uh River Phoenix's last movie. It had Sandra Bullock. Had I remember that great, movie. great cast. I'm Nashville.
0: I'm here. I'm never leaving. Yeah, <laughs> on the on the rooftop. Yeah. yeah, that's it. The Bluebird Cafe was like the centerpiece. Yeah,
1: it was the it was the it was Nashville before the Nashville show came along. And so they, uh, I had met the uh, executive producer because I was hired to help with the music and to work with the music supervisor. And so I'd met. Uh, I had met the executive producer, and the assistant producer was this woman named Darlene Chan. And they had a British director lined up for it, but he got pulled off on another project. And you're thinking, British director doing a country music film? But it actually made sense because he, he was a real music guy, and, and uh, he, loved the, he loved the music. So mid-pre-production, they had to hire a new director, and they ended up hiring Peter Bogdanovich, legendary guy. So I'm sitting in that laundromat on a date.
0: In the laundromat? <laughs> yeah. Right behind us here? Yeah, right the, here. You were on a date?
1: I'm on a date there. I had a bottle of wine, and there was this girl that I was really sweet on. And so we were doing laundry, drinking wine, hanging out there. And sitting on the – this. and I saw the same chairs that are up against the, the wall – Facing the street, the glass, yeah, giant picture glass window. Sitting there and drinking wine, hanging out, and bam, 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 someone's rapping on the glass right outside. I turn around and it's Darlene Chan, one of the producers from this movie. She's waving like this, and standing behind her is this guy, and he's got the collar popped. He's got the polo shirt or the, like the, uh, yeah, the polo with the collar popped and then a white button down over that and a scarf. And it's Peter Bogdanovich. And they're driving around that night looking at locations. And just happened to be there. And he's staring at this girl I'm with. I mean, just transfixed staring. And it wasn't until I really understood who he was and his history. That he's he was married to Dorothy Stratton, the Playboy playmate who was murdered. And then he married Dorothy's little sister. Which I, is kinda
0: I don't know and I don't even know who this is. Yeah. Like and so I mean, they made
1: movies about this. Um, I forget the name of the movie about Dorothy Stratton. Um I think Margot Hemingway was was the who played Dorothy Stratton. Anyhow. So he's he's just and because this girl was tall, blonde, statuesque, and probably reminded him of Dorothy Stratton. But it was just crazy. Just this, it's like there's Peter Bogdanovich staring at this person and we meet and talk and oh, isn't this great and and then they go on their way and we finish our wine and our laundry. That's a Nashville story to me.
0: hundred percent. Did yeah. you did you the girl is there. Like was she? No, was she like, was no! She like, Holy no. shit! You know these people? Yeah, no. You're like yeah. Didn't you know, get these are any, my friends. These didn't are... get
1: me any traction. No. So, Damn. Yeah.
0: She's like, who's Peter Bogdan? <laughs> I don't know who this guy is either. Yeah,
1: and he just passed away a few, few weeks ago. Really? So yeah. Wow. But. uh
0: I tell you, there's there's so many of those little stories that yeah. people, you, you inevitably have if you've been here long enough or right. anywhere. You just run into people and you're like, wow, that's, oh my gosh.
1: No, it's true. And I hadn't thought of that story in years, but seeing the, and I've driven by the laundromat thousands of times on 21st. But turning right there and realizing I had to turn right behind it and looking at it and just all these memories came flooding back.
0: What part of town do you live in? You live in Westmead? West Meade? West Meade. Yeah, okay. the edge of West Mead. Okay. Where'd you go to school?
1: Uh, well, I didn't grow up here. So um, my mother was born here and her whole side of the family settled Middle Tennessee in the early eighteen hundreds. But I grew Where'd up all grew? over. Just we we my dad worked for Caterpillar, so we lived in. I was born in Peoria, where Caterpillar's based, and we moved from there to St. Louis to Nashville for a couple years in the early '60s, and uh, Jackson, Mississippi. I did a stint there. South Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and then settled in Milwaukee, okay. and that's where the family still is.
0: And you came back to Nashville. Yeah,
1: I came here for college to Vanderbilt and then left and then came back for grad school and then left and then came back and stayed, yeah.
0: You said you just recently wrote a column. Is that what you said? You wrote something? Um, a blog post? Oh, a something? blog.
1: for Yeah, for the soda shop. For the soda, so you yeah.
0: are, you, are you doing any writing?
1: Not as much as I would like, but starting to get back into that. We're going to start doing a weekly blog post about just different things about the soda shop. It there are just so many stories. Historical things, new things. I mean, I, I'm still a journalist at heart, so I will meet someone and hear their story and say, hey, can I write about you and and profile you? Uh so so yeah, starting to do more of that. Why don't you guys do the um the soda shop
0: podcast? Why don't you get when you see that person, why don't you sit down and do like a 20-minute interview with them and share, let them tell the story with you.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea. You know. Be a lot of fun. Yeah. You just
0: put that out too. Then you can even write a blog post after that to kind of go to summarize it.
1: Sure. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, we got a studio here. We can make that something happen. Yeah, there you go. It'd be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it would be. I've, you know, I've thought about doing the podcast thing forever. You don't work in media without thinking about it or without people saying you should do this you know it's, you need to it's do the this. the new you should write a book yeah and it's like yeah I know the realities of that and who's gonna pay for it you know which is why I'm glad you've built this up to a point that you've you've been able to monetize it
0: you know I I have several sponsors yeah um, and they work out really well because they're people that I trust that I work with that I'm excited. To talk about because I believe in them, but they do afford like one of the things is I don't take any money from restaurants. Right,
1: and that's important. That's last time I was at
0: the Elliston Place Soda Shop. Craig was like, "Let me go." No, 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 no. I'm I'm not. I'm not here to get one thing for free. Any restaurant that I go to, I have sponsors that give me money, and I like to pay when I go places. I want to support restaurants, and that's really what I'm not getting rich at all on this. But it does allow me to have a studio and to buy good equipment and sound good and, you know, to go out and eat with my wife and family and people. And it's nice to be right. able to, to have give a budget back. to do that, yeah. have a budget to do that, that. Um, and then, you know, I think that really the biggest thing is creating community, doing mm-hmm. this and, and bringing all these people together and being able to introduce places. I've got two new sponsors that are technology companies that really aren't in Nashville. Yeah. That wow. are brand new, that are amazing all over the West Coast, but they just haven't made it to Nashville yet. And this medium allows me to share kind of some really I'm hopefully introducing people to new technology that they didn't know about. So I mean if there's a way I can help people run a business better or operate with really good vendors, and you know, when you're in that four walls all day long, you you can't go out and do a lot of research and no, go absolutely talk to a of people not. and I have that unique yeah, thing that I do get to do that a lot, so I'm able yeah. to kind of, I can share really cool stuff, and people can save money or whatever. I'm actually working right now on a uh, pretty big deal. I haven't talked about it yet. I think I'll talk about. I want. I want to tell you about it. Okay, and I'll do a full episode on it. I'm a little nervous to say this. It's going to be called the Nashville Restaurant Alliance, and oh. it's going to be a group. I mean, it's it's. Do you think Nashville Originals? Sure. Back in the day. Oh,
1: I know it very well.
0: Right? So they, I, I think if I, if I, and I'll do a whole episode on this, but back in the day, I think I was selling Magianos and 10 Angel produce at the time. Yeah. I think Magianos is paying like $22 a case for romaine and 10 Angel was at like 34. Yeah. And it's like, well, dude, what the hell? And I'm like, they buy 110 cases at a time and they buy it on one delivery and it cost me a hundred dollars to make a delivery. And so they they pay a lot less. And then you're buying from four different produce companies because you think you're getting the best deal, but you're only giving me eight cases on my delivery and it cost me $100 to make that delivery. I got to charge you $12.74 above every case just to break even. Yeah. So you're going to pay a lot more. I think that was, and there was kind of a catalyst. There's, well, we'll get a bunch of restaurants together. And when we have 50 restaurants together, then we can do some things. And I think that, he did a great job. He got the restaurants together, and then they couldn't agree on anything.
1: <laughs> you know, you get a bunch of people oh, in the I,
0: same room, and it's like, well, I like Cisco. Well, I like this. I like I that. I know.
1: I worked brief, briefly with them It's yeah, with and it was, the Nashville Originals, and it was like herding, not just herding cats, but herding cats on amphetamines. So, it, and so, but the idea is great. I mean, the idea on the surface of, of leveraging – your collective strength for whether it's for advertising spends or buying produce, but they couldn't, they couldn't wrangle it.
0: No. So I've got a bunch of vendors already in line of people who I trust who I like who are willing to offer better deals for restaurants. And I just, I feel like the community needs something to bring it together and uh, so the Nashville Restaurant Alliance is going to be born here. It's already born, but it's I'm going to take it to the masses and do quarterly meetings where we introduce some where we talk about new technologies. I'm going to do really cool events that members get in for free. I mean, I'm not, it's not going to be something expensive, but right. working a deal with Gordon Food Service right now that's going to lock in pricing for people that choose to, hey, if I want to go that route, I can go that route. And if I can save some restaurant tours, a bunch of money, and then I can bring them together on a quarterly basis to share stories and strength and hey, the best practices. And let's just if it's just a reason for everybody to get together and shake hands and I'm I'm in a locally owned and operated restaurants all you know, yeah. rising tides rises all ships and I'm tired of seeing local Nashville restaurants torn down and Ruby Sunshines put up. Right. I'm tired of seeing Places like Jackson's, the reference I'm making, like Jackson's go away and then this chain gets put up there or I want to, I want to help those restaurateurs do some things that they don't necessarily have the opportunity to do, utilize some of the negotiating power that I have and that we can do collectively and share that. And if I can save people some money, maybe we can pay employees more, maybe we can, keep restaurants around a little bit longer but give us some power back and um i don't know i think it's something that's needed
1: i think it's great and i hope it i hope it works because it is important i mean i some of the things that i have learned in my brief tenure on the other side of the rope um just the clusterfuck of distributors of, of just that world, um, the, uh, how just to see how prices fluctuate. Now some of that's just the, the times that we're in and the supply side, interruptions because of pandemic and, and all of that. But you know to see see how these relationships develop with distributors that change over time not always for the best. And I'm trying not to call anyone out or point fingers because I know it's a difficult business and this is, but, But but, but learning about that and learning how the restaurant has to constantly stay on guard. You can't ever relax in the comfort of your relationship with any vendor I have seen because, mistakes happen all the time so you just have to check everything but then something that you've been buying for a year one day is different and it's because oh yeah that product is slightly different it's it's made in a slightly different way and it it's a staple that you need for your menu and it's what you have is not only different but wildly inferior in quality texture whatever and you're going what the hell and we weren't
0: you know we communicated boxes
1: look similar codes look similar but all it takes is one and so you just have to you just it's exhausting to stay on top of that all of the time it's exhausting
0: for you and it's exhausting for them um being somebody who worked as a vendor for 17 years I sold produce for 11 years here, 9, 10 years here in Nashville, and I was a district sales manager at U.S. Foods for three years. And it's so frustrating for me who genuinely wanted to help restaurants succeed. They're both businesses, but there's such a lack of trust. Yeah. And it is palpable. It's kind of what you just now said. There's a lack of trust between restaurateurs and their vendors because so many people have screwed people. This goes back to what I said previously. People that work in restaurants are nice people. They have a spirit of service. They get into this because they love to serve. We're servants. That's what we do. We People walk in the door and we have no idea whether they just put their dog down, whether they just won the lottery, they just got divorced, they just got married. We right. don't know what their mindset is, but we know that when they come in, we're going to give them genuine service and hospitality. And if they leave there, we want them leaving a little bit better than when they came in. We right. want them leaving going, wow, whatever happened to me an hour ago, I just got transported away from there for this experience I just got to have. And I'm going to leave here feeling nourished, which is not just fed.
1: I feel whole. Right. We want that, right? We want. And that. I'd like to talk more about that, but finish your other...
0: The problem with that is is that people that do those things that have that are nice people and they get taken advantage of. Yeah. So you can either there's like this duality of like, I'm gonna be this hard ass who's gonna scream at every person that comes in here because I want them to know that I'm not to be messed with. Right. Which only breeds more distrust. Yeah. Imagine if you treated your wife that way. Right. Right? I'm I'm just waiting for you to cheat on me. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be so hateful and angry and it's like that's not how you foster positive relationships so one of my goals here with all of this is these vendors that i'm working with that we're like i want to educate people and i want to bring back hey look this this gordon food service super source cytex these companies who i'm working with they're not we're going to lock in pricing pricing's not going to be an issue we're going to work on service but we i want you to utilize these people as extensions of your leadership team as partners, trusted partners that help you succeed. The level of pressure that you can not have knowing that somebody's got your back 100% and you're not picking them off of four different people, I think should bring a level of just like calm, like a, oh, wow, that's really nice. And then also for them knowing that, hey, look, we're going to treat each other with respect. And when something changes, I need you to communicate. We need to meet once a month where we go over all the details. And let's just talk about it. And if we can educate people how to do that, I think that we could change. I I, I have this goal of changing the industry. I want to change the industry to where the restaurant industry comes to a place where people want to go to have careers. I want to offer 401ks right. and insurance. And like I want more people retiring from... I want retirement parties from restaurants. Which yeah. you just don't hear. No. But it's totally doable. But we have to make, make the change. We have to say we're going to treat our people better. We're going to offer the benefits. We're going to offer wellness opportunities because all the things we described earlier, just the insanity of every day changing can drive you crazy. And we have to protect our own. Yeah. And we just don't, we just don't. It's a, People are a commodity that we use to come in. Oh, you're just a server. You're just this. You're just that. Like, no, we have to Oh, we have to put our arms around each other. We have to have that level. And I, I want to bring that back. I want to bring, somebody has to, to step up and say, we have to change the way we fundamentally operate as restaurants in our city. And what can I do to change this industry for the better? That's why I want to do the Nashville Restaurant Alliance. I want to bring people together. And I want to start something that says, we're going to do it differently. We're going to be better. We are going to, whatever the world says about the hospitality industry in Nashville we do it
1: different. We do it different. Well, I I think that's beyond noble. And uh and
0: I'm going to run two restaurants and a podcast
1: while yeah. we do it. But I'm going <laughs>
0: to <laughs> you'll you'll die trying. I'm going but you know what I'm going to? Uh, damn it. I I feel like we can. You're, you you yeah. want to talk about hospitality.
1: No, well, I it I mean it it fits all of that. And I think that's one of the one of the biggest things that I've learned working in the restaurant. And these are things that I understood intuitively. You know, you cover an industry long enough, you begin to understand it. But there's no substitute for actually working in it. And um, it's it's that notion of what hospitality means at its very root of taking care of people. And the thing that I wasn't, and I can't remember if I talked about this at all with you on previous conversations. Uh, I wasn't uh, emotionally prepared for for that side of it in terms of the depth of the relationships that you have the chance to develop with your customers, um, your guests. In the more pure, you know, use of that word, hospitality and guests. And the soda shop has been around for so long that there, there are some of these traditions that it has uh, rooted in that physical community that it's in, being close to the healthcare center of the city. So there's this tradition that when someone has a baby at the old Baptist hospital, the dad brings them a milkshake. You know, that's been going on for generations. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so we, we actually did a little marketing thing of putting a free milkshake card in the packet that new moms get at the, at the, but it's, it's this That's tradition awesome. yeah. and we had onesies made that say new kid on the rock block, you know, nice. but, but the other side of that is, um, there are people who come to Nashville from all over the state or the mid South, whether it's going to Vanderbilt or one of the other hospitals, seeking treatment of some kind. And some of them are here. They might be waiting for an uh, organ donor. Uh, Some of them may be here because they have a baby in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit. Um, So they're living in a hotel or... One of these long-range hotels, and they come in to eat a lot, so you get to know these people, um, and you you ask them how they are, in a in a very sincere way, and not just a greeting. Hey, what's up? Right. How are you? Like, oh, and, how are you? And you come to recognize them because they have hospital bracelets on, or they have a visitor tag, and you don't know if they have someone in for a routine hernia surgery or whether a relative is in hospice, their end of days. Yes. And to be able to, to sincerely welcome people and connect with them and offer them comfort food in the purest sense and just comfort in general and say, sit, when they go, oh, I've been sitting here and I'm taking up this booth. It's like you sit there as long as you like, as long as you need. Yeah. And, and you come back whenever you need to come back and charge up your phone and just hang out and do whatever to get away from the hospital, you know, for whatever you need. You're welcome here. And um, that's a deeply emotional thing. Or, hey, you, you've, you're through your chemo, you get to go home now. And the hugs um, and the tears of that, and that's that's so much a part of the soda shop, again because of its geographical community. But
0: but that's that's you too, and that's Miss Linda, and that's Craig, and that's well, it that's is a culture. I mean, so you could easily say, "Are you buying something? You need to get you know, right? This is you know, no shirt, no shoes, no service, no public restrooms." But the arms wide open, yeah, come in. Charge your phone. It's okay. Hey, look, get away from that. That's understanding
1: humanity. It that's is being
0: humans. That's true hospitality.
1: And that's that's the essay that I'm writing now is about that and its effect on me, but also how I think we forgot how important that was during the pandemic when we couldn't go to restaurants. That restaurants s- serve this deeper purpose or they, they, they have the capacity and the opportunity to serve this deeper purpose. Um, that it's not just a place to eat. That it is a place that's part of the community. And as we saw people coming back in, you felt that. You felt, man, it's great to be back eating in a restaurant. And that they missed that important role that restaurants play in a true community sense.
0: I think that's something that people, anybody who's in the hospitality industry can hear that right now, you saying that. And I think that we need to, like, take that in. You know, I think that a lot of people are tired, a lot of people aren't okay, but genuine, true hospitality, we don't want to lose that. That's kind of one of the things that makes it nashville special when i used to drive uber every time i'd drive somebody around and they would be like you are so nice like yeah thank you like i would say they'd say what's the something we have to do and if i'm downtown i go yeah i gotta see the parthenon but What? what's the parthenon and i would go hey, i'm gonna go i'll go drive you around the park okay you gotta see right. this at least take a picture yeah and they would be like why why did you do that and i'm like I don't know, because you're, you're here, and you like to see that, and yeah I felt some weird sense of responsibility that I want your perception of Nashville to be, that it's not all about the dollar, it's not all about, well, if you don't have this, like, it's not a quid pro quo, it's a, no, because that's, that's the cool thing to do, I'd love for you to see that, I'm genuinely proud of it, I and mean, it's kind of cool that we have this here,
1: yeah I'll yeah. tell
0: you a story, I had these two women that come in the other day, Green Nose Girls, this is about four or five months ago, and they walked in the front door and I said, ladies, how are we doing today? Like, normally and they were like, yeah, oh, we're, you know, we're okay. And I said, great. I said, is there a favorite place you have? And they said, just two. And I said, great. Is there a favorite place you have in the restaurant? Because, you, know, the, the, you know, there's like three, four different places in the restaurant. People right. like to sit. And we don't sit on rotations. We see people where they want to be seated, right? So they go, we've, we've never been here before. And I go, okay, fantastic. Do you want like a kind of a louder table if you're in the bar? Do you want like a cozy booth in the back? They go, cozy booth. And I said, no problem. And I take him to the table and I'm talking to them. Just glad you guys are here and welcome and this and that. And so I sat down, they go, do you have a bar? And I was like, yeah, though we, yeah, we just bet that whole room right there. And they said, do you do like margaritas? And I go, absolutely. We got skinny margaritas, all the margaritas in the world. And so I said, let me get John. He'll take care of you. And John is a servant. He's great personality, just loving everything. He comes over and he takes care of them. And I check back in them after they eat. And I said, well, ladies, how was everything? Like, First experience, what'd you think? And they said, oh, you know, it was really good. We really enjoyed. It. John's been so nice. And I said, well, you have to have our Heathbar Crunch Pie. And they go, what? And I go, that's our signature. Dessert. It's on me. You gotta have it's your first time here. You got, you gotta try this. And They're like, okay. Yeah. So bring them the dessert, and I come back maybe five minutes later. They're done, and I said, well, what do we think? Like, was it good? And they said, you know what, we um, we just want to say thank you. And I said, okay, like for what? he said um we buried my dad her husband yesterday and we've just been it's a tough situation yeah he said we just needed an escape and we don't know why we came here but we saw this place and we thought hey we'll just go in there and this was one of the best experiences we've ever had yeah it was just amazing
1: and it's that's, that little moment right that's there. That's like, it, right there. That's I can exactly. hardly say it without crying. But no, like there's this I, moment where you go. I'm surprised I didn't tear up earlier. This is it. This is
0: this <clears throat> is what it is all about. All the bullshit. Yeah. That you put up with. Right. Is for that moment, it is where you get to just go. That that in my soul is what I'm here for. Yeah. That's it. That's
1: no, that is, and that that's the hard thing, because it can grind you down, and the cynic in me says each day is a is a sliding scale of when you're dealing with the public every day. It's a sliding scale, and you hope it ends up on the people are good and nice end, and it doesn't <laughs> always. Some days the opposite happens, and it can really – just wear you down and make you lose faith in humanity and go. Why do your people this way? Why do people behave this way? And but on balance, it's usually on the other end of the scale. But it, it that that takes a a mental toll on people who work in the industry because you never know how it's going to be that day, and to keep yourself open. For those moments to remember, no matter how people are, um, I'm going to be present for the next guest that walks in through the door for that very reason.
0: We are taking a very quick break to tell you about Maintain IQ. The biggest frustrating thing for me in a building is when the small things don't get done. You walk in a building and you see light bulbs out. Why didn't they unlock the door? How come this didn't happen? And you want to go, well, first of all, you, you need to get it done. But like, who who didn't do that? Why is this not done every day? And Maintain IQ is the app that you need because it does it for you. It is a checklist. It's a digital checklist. You may have a clipboard right now that you walk around the building. What do you do after the week? It goes in the trash. This will keep records of every single time this gets done. This is not only a manager opening checklist, a manager mid checklist, a manager closing checklist. It's a line closing checklist. It is a server side work chart. It is everything. It is food temping. It works with Bluetooth thermometers. You temp food, it goes directly into here. It's a temperature log. It is a way to keep work orders in order. It does all of these things in an app. Everybody can sign in, fill out their closing duties. So... That age old bartender coming in the morning, who didn't stock wine last night? You go to Maintain IQ and you can see who the closing bartender was. And if they clicked, that they did the work. The level of accountability for every single position in your building is amazing. So, right now, here's what I want you to do I want you to go to MaintainIQ.com and I want you to give them a call. You need to talk to Will Joxon. He is the founder and CEO. He's the guy who answers the phone when you call. This is a brand new technology, guys. You're going to love it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so he's saying 615. 714-457-4481 is his cell phone number. If you want to email him, it is will at maintainiq.com. Guys, this is a game changer. You're going to thank me for it. MaintainIQ. And and I finally,
1: yeah. And I just, I had to shift my own paradigm to the point where I embrace the difficult tables. Now that's my, you know, you may thrive on expo and all of that. I thrive on the most difficult table of people.
0: That's your challenge. Yeah. I'm going to make them, I'm going to win them over.
1: Yeah. I'm going to find a way to make this right. And I'm not going to win everyone, but I'm going to win a lot of them. And, and, uh, and to me that, that changed everything. I go, that's fun. That's because, because those people will leave happier than when they came in. Yeah. Even if, and we screw up things every day, it happens. All the time. You know, I remember this guy was so angry that his chicken tenders were taking so long. And I said, I just walked up and I go, well, you think our, our one-hour chicken tenders are good? You need to try our two-and-a-half-hour chicken tenders. <laughs> they are really worth the wait. And, you know, it just a little humor disarmed him a bit and a little contrition. I'm sorry, how do we make this right? Owning you know. owning when
0: we mess up. I yeah. Think when you start making excuses and, well, we didn't have, I, I, right. I said at the beginning of the pandemic, I told my leadership team, I said, I never want one time, I don't care what it is, I never want to use the pandemic as an excuse. Right. We know it's here. Yeah. We know what we're dealing with. Stuff happens. But we've, we've I never want a guest to hear me say, well, it's a pandemic. Yeah, like I'm throwing my hands up. Like, what, uh, do what are you do? supposed to do? Yeah. Like, like, well, we know it's a pandemic, so <laughs> make it happen, Jim. I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Likewise, we could do this. We could, we should do this more, like once a month, with just like a random. Oh, Jim it's Myers great to catch in. up with you, and it's so fun talking and, and talk about this crazy world we're in. It is, and we didn't touch on a million topics no. we could have.
1: Yeah, no. like, I'm looking at Pat Martin's book over there what a great book
0: what a fantastic book yeah it just had him in a couple weeks ago we talked about it yeah i started reading that book and i I, first of all i saw life of fire and i was like what is this and then i went right oh it's him talking about the life of a fire and how you maintain it and cook with it and i was like oh yes and i read the whole thing and i was like i am building a pit yeah, in my backyard. Right. Yeah, and it is going to be epic. And I am I am so excited. I'm going to get some people. Will you come? I'll come. You yeah. come do a, a cook with me. I need, yeah. I got to find the right crew, he,
1: which is important. It's, you know,
0: the whole you open the book to the. That's what I talked about in the interview is I said, yeah, I loved how you did it. Like you said, a road trip. You'd much rather do a road trip. Yeah, uh, I can fly to Florida in two and a half hours, but hopping in a car with some buddies, stopping at every little place on the way, that's yeah. half the, the, the adventure. Exactly. Because cooking a whole hog is a, you get a bunch of guys, it's a 30-hour deal. Yeah. You can't do it alone. And he outlines every single thing you need, including, I thought, what well, the best part was, the idiot friend. He's <laughs> right. like, you're going to have the shot guy, which at one point was yeah. me. I will raise my hand. I was totally that guy. But he goes, you have to have the shot guy. He goes, don't give him any responsibilities <laughs>
1: right.
0: that you're going to need. He was no. like, let, let him carry the wood. You that need guy, all those personality the, archetypes. Yes, and
1: and, and
0: yeah, it's I'm, great. And he and he wrote it in his words. It was it, it was yeah. like as if you're talking to Pat Martin, reading it in his words. Nice shout out to you in the book too. Pictures of you in the book. And yeah,
1: the, yeah, them. I was proud to be a part of that. And uh, oh, it's so great.
0: I, I just imagined reading that, and I was like. I want to be in a whole hog cook with him and his buddies, hanging out, shooting the shit.
1: It's the best.
0: I would, you know, just maintaining the fire yeah. all day, and then finally at the very end of it, getting to eat like just the whole fellowship of the thing. I was like, I love that he said it's like a road trip. Yeah. You've got it's a you've got to be ready for it, and it's an adventure. And at the end, the payoff is getting to your destination or eating the eating the food. And I just love because I love all of that, and I just I was motivated and excited, and he's a neat guy. He is.
1: Great guy. All right. We'll last, have more to talk about next time.
0: Last thing I do is uh, final, final thoughts. So you, as the guest, get to take us out. Whatever you want to say, as long as you want to say it, um, the mic is yours.
1: Well, I think I'll just say... Um, it's really a, a privilege to work in this industry. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a privilege to take care of people. And what a kick in the pants it is to help um, preserve and maintain a tradition as old as the soda shop is, um, to keep a meat and three going in in the world capital of meat and threes um is great. It's great fun. It's great to keep that going and uh it's a it's a privilege to um as to be caretakers of a piece of Nashville history at a time when the city is changing so much and uh and we we are uh we're honored with that responsibility. And come see us and get you some. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Come get you some. See, I've been using the get you some for a while, and now Nelson's Greenbrier has like appropriated it in all of their. Have they really? They're they just launched a new bourbon Nelson product. Brothers. Yeah, Nelson Brothers, Charlie and Andy Nelson, great guys. I love these guys. Best. I love their stories. I love what they're doing, and I'm so happy for them. But now they've they've it's like they're putting it on hats. They're they're hashtagging it and everything. It's get you some green briar. and I'm going. Okay, I'll seed that one to them. Well, I will tell you, congratulations
0: <laughs> for making the inaugural Nashville Hot
1: List. Thank you very much. Yes. I was so thrilled to be on there, and I, I, I called everyone in our organization and I go, how did, how did this happen? And no one knew, and it was just purely from your you largesse just, you do a great job <laughs> your s, yeah and uh,
0: you guys i had lunch there a couple weeks ago and it was so good just the whole atmosphere and the whole vibe and you know as, as i'm doing a new show for visit music city at the end of that show every week i'm going to give i'm going to i'm going to actually change it to 10 restaurants and the first five i'm going to say on the show you have to visit the website to get the second five there you go but um the inaugural Nashville Hot List.
1: Thank you very Elliston much. place to soda shop. That, it means a lot. It really does. I,
0: well, it's well-earned, and uh, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you, brother. All right, man.
0: Big, big thank you to Jim Myers for joining the show. That was a good one. Hour and 35 minutes we're sitting at right now. Guys, thanks for hanging in there. If you have listened to this whole thing Uh, Thanks for making it through all of the sponsorships. We've got some amazing people that want to support this show and I want to continue to, uh, to ask you to go and check out their websites. I'm really excited about GoTab and maintain IQ because these are new companies here in Nashville and I want to see them take off. Literally there's like one restaurant for each of them here in town and The big avalanche of restaurants we're going to get to utilize this technology and win is going to be big. We got some big things coming. Nashville Restaurant Alliance. Yes, that is the next thing. So, we're going to take all a bunch of companies and a bunch of restaurants together. We're going to offer discounts. We're going to go to bat for you. This is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Locally owned operates, locally owned and operated restaurants coming together. We're gonna to do a show about it here in just a couple weeks. And I'm gonna explain everything about it, what it is, what it means for you, what it means for everybody. But we are really excited to talk about the Nashville Restaurant Alliance. It's coming soon. So thank you guys for listening to again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for everything. Uh, you listeners are amazing. Go out there and kill this week. Have a great week, and uh, hope you guys are being safe out there. Love you guys. Bye.